Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So what have we been talking about the last few weeks? Valleys, good job. You get a gold star, gold star. Uh, As I say, as, as she mentioned, we are the kindergarten church, and some people get offended by that. Um, and so let me explain what we mean by that. I am, uh, I would like to think of myself as, as deeply intellectual and rather smart. Uh, and so the Lord had to humble me by sending me to Russia where all of my efforts at language made me sound like a two-year-old. And, uh, what it forced me to do was it forced me to realize that I didn't know all the things I thought I knew. Because if you can't explain it to a three-year-old, you may not know it. Anybody here? I remember, I remember the first time I had a, a kid ask me, what does it mean to be saved? And I started to give them this theological answer. And, and they were like. <laughs> and then I tried to give them a, a meaningful answer. And I still didn't understand it. By the end, nobody understood. There's something about it. Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, oftentimes we obscure, we hide our lack with complexity. It's a mystery. Um, And in fact, the gospel is utterly simple. So we're going to, we've been going through the valleys uh, in scripture. We went through the valley of decision. We went through the valley of, I was there. Anybody? (laughs) Valley what? Obedience and, and trust. Obedience and trust. And there was one other. Vision. I'm glad you guys get gold stars. Gold, gold. Awesome. So now we're going to be going into the valley, everybody's favorite valley, the valley of surrender. <laughs> I'm too young to die. Oh my goodness. But listen, if we can pull that, that, that cross section up, we're actually going to have a fifth valley. And the fifth valley next week is the valley of victory. Yeah, anybody want some of that? Okay, people are like, thank goodness. I don't want to just surrender. Just, you know. Anybody here, that's the story of your Christianity. You've been surrendering for years and got nothing for it. That got awkward. Um, (laughs) Like, I mean, seriously, it's like you, you ponied up all the money. You paid, you signed on the dotted line for the financing, and then you went home with, by Uber. The gospel should not be simply an advertisement because the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. It's not just for the sweet by and by. So we're going to be going into surrender, but I just want to let you know there's victory on the other side, so don't die just yet, okay? All right. So as I was going through the various valleys and scriptures, I came across this one in John chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine or the valley of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered his disciples. And so what what, what is he talking about? Anybody, you big Bible people, what valley is he talking about? What, What garden is he talking about? Gethsemane. So when it said, when he'd spoken these words, now if I'm reading this for the first time, how will I know what words he has spoken? Read the passage before it. Again, I just can't say this enough. In church, oftentimes we smile and nod as if we know what what we understand what's going on and we have no clue. 
Don't do that. I oftentimes, when I, uh, uh, someone was spe- uh, preaching, giving a, a message, I would, didn't understand them. I would quit listening to them, and I would pick up the scripture and start reading. I got a better message oftentimes than if I had stayed listening. So if I find you looking down at your Bibles, I'll be super happy. All right. So, so how would I know what's going on? I would look in the passage around it, and, and honestly, um, he, he, um, this is talking about the very last night of Jesus' freedom. It's the night of what? It's the night of the Passover, and he's gathered his guys together to have the final feast. But going back, it starts even earlier the week before with, you guys remember, Jesus is going to Jerusalem and he tops a mountain called the Mount of Olives. And they begin to shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because they saw him as the Messiah. Can we pull up that map? If you look right here, um, you see that right there, Bethany on the right side? He came up from where he was staying with his buddies in Bethany and he came up the mountain towards Bethphage, and he comes up over the mountain of Al- Mount of Olives, and he sees Jerusalem. He sees Jerusalem. He actually looks down on Jerusalem. Even though Jerusalem's on a mount, the Mount of Olives is a couple hundred feet higher than the Temple Mount. He's actually looking straight at the temple, the temple of God, where people for generations have been meeting God. And he comes down the mountain and he walks right past this garden, this place, because that whole Mount of Olives is covered with what? Olive trees. Genius. Well done. Well done. And so he, at the bottom is this valley, is this garden of Gethsemane. And do you know what Gethsemane means? Oil press. Why would you have an oil press at the bottom of an orchard full of olive trees? To make oil, because you don't have to go very far. So literally, you just roll the olives down the hill. They all collect at the bottom. You press them. And when you press olives, what do you get? Olive oil. And do you want to know, olive oil is one of the most amazing things that it has more uses than almost anything on the planet. It's incredible. And they called it the miracle uh, liquid back in, in that time because it was used for, and what are some things olive oil is used for? Health, for cooking, skin, come on. What? What? Salad dressing, yes, come on. Uh, anointing people, yeah? Life, fuel, gives you light, right? You know, there, it is good uh, when there, people got wounds, they would often cover it. They said, he anoints my wounds. Remember last week? When he, what did he do? With olive oil. Oh, olive oil is good for everything. But anybody ever noticed, what color are olives? Green or black. What color is olive oil? It's yellow. It's different. It looks like, like I remember the first time I saw olive oil, I was like, that doesn't come from that. Right? Why? The thing is, is when you press the olive oil, what you get is its essence, but its essence doesn't look like the outside. Stay with that. So he passes by and he, and he has to go down. So he goes up from this mountain. He goes all the way down into the valley, um, about three, uh, you know, 300 feet down into this valley, this Kidron Valley. And then he makes his way down the valley to the gate. Interestingly enough, the gate was the dung gate. Anybody here? That's how you enter? anyway anyway like oh it's mine it's just for me awesome so he comes through and he comes into that the the cheap seats that lower portion 
And do you guys remember, he told his guys, he said, listen, we're going to have Passover. We're going to have a meal. And he said, he sent two guys ahead to follow a donkey to get him a room. He got the upper room. Why did he need an upper room? Because during Passover, the population of Jerusalem would swell from 100,000 up to 300 and even sometimes a million people. And so getting a room during Passover is like trying to get a hotel room during the Super Bowl. It's just not a possibility. And yet God does what? The impossible. And so, but before this, the whole week, Jesus would be in Bethany and he'd go into the city and he'd preach in the temple courts and he would preach and he'd, sometimes he would come back and he would hang out on the Mount of Olives. Do you know why I think he hung out on the Mount of Olives? Anybody here, you climb up a mountain and you can't go any further? <laughs> Like, so literally, it's a, it's a 300-foot climb. Think of a 30-story building. Anybody done stairs? Do you know how bad 30 stories of stairs is? By about the 10th, you're like, I can't do anymore, right? Anyway, so 30 stories. So he would sit there, and Jesus would, that's where they asked Jesus about the end of time. That's where they said, you were in the temple. You said it would be destroyed. What did you mean by that? So all week, he's going back and forth, up and down this mountain, up and back, past Gethsemane, going to the temple. Why, what's in the middle of the temple? The temple. <laughs> the temple, but the holy of holies. The place where God and man meet. And in the middle of the temple, what is there? there is, there's this huge curtain that separates God from man. The veil. And so Jesus, what Jesus' goal, his whole goal is to bring us into relationship with God, to break through that veil. Every, so every day he's going and he's in within sight of his goal, and then he goes home. So we'll just say this. We've got the Mount of Olives, and then we've got the Temple Mount. And in between is Gethsemane. Probably misspelling that, but there you go. All right. In between is that. All, the whole week, he's going through this whole thing, going back and forth, back and forth. Anybody here been back and forth inside of your destiny? <laughs> You're like, we're there! We're there! Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? So, <laughs> I can see it, right? And then we're back, right? We're back hanging out, living in somebody's house. You know? The temple was his house, wasn't it? But he was living with somebody else. Going back and forth and every time passing the oil press. But on that last night, if you've got Bibles, you win points with me, gold stars Show me. Okay. Bing, 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 bing. Well done. All right. So Luke, go to Luke chapter 22. This, this opens up this story a little bit more. We're just going to read a few verses here. Starting in verse 39. Jesus went out as usual. So what happened is he went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. What had just happened? They had had the Passover meal. He's sitting with his 12 guys. He's sharing his heart with them. And in the middle of him being utterly vulnerable, what happens? One of you is going to betray me. Whew. Anybody here been betrayed? 
Four of us? Awesome. Live long enough. Live long enough. You've got time. Don't worry. If you've been betrayed, what is the vow you make in your heart? Nobody's going to ever do that to me again. I'm closing off my heart. And I'm not going to trust. I'm not trusting anybody. The very point where he is being betrayed, what does he do? Does he, does he try to, when he realizes Judas is going to betray him, what does he tell the other 11? Jump him. Does he? Some of you are like, wow, that's a different Bible. No, he doesn't say that, does it? He says, go. Anybody here had people talk bad about you? Tell lies about you? What's your temptation in that moment? There's run. What's another one? Get back at him. Oh, you want to hear the real story? I've got some dirt to tell you, right? But Jesus was like a lamb before the slaughter. He did not open his mouth. He didn't defend himself. He didn't, and he didn't pull back because here's the 11 and the 11 are like, we're with you to the death. And what does he say to Peter? Even you are going to betray me. But he doesn't pull back from weak people. Listen, the only kind of people we can do life with are what kind of people? Weak people. Well, I'm not weak. <laughs> anyway, so he descends. So it says it's at this point. He gathers his boys. Now, if you, he is wanted by the temple police. They've been trying to get him, but every time they try to get close, they can't because the crowds are pressing in too much and it would be bad PR. So now he is in an upper room, a hidden room that wasn't, uh, uh, you know, um, reserved ahead of time. And he, so nobody knows where he is. He's totally safe. So what does Jesus do? Leaves the totally safe place. What? 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 Why would he do that? Why would he leave the totally safe place? Here he is. He's, he's in the upper room. It's a little down the hill from the Temple Mount. And what does he do? It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Temple, the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed them. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you'll not fall in temptation. Can we go back to another one of the, those yellow maps that shows the, the, the course, the route? Uh, actually, I've got another one. I've got like three of those yellow maps. You're amazing. Maggie is incredible. There we go. Awesome. So there you go. He comes from the upper room. He goes all the way up the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we got another white map. I like the white map. It's really cool. There you go. That's what the city looked like. So he's wandering through the streets, completely vulnerable, makes his way to the Garden of Gethsemane towards from the upper room, taking his guys with them. And I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure Peter was not keeping quiet. Hey, Jesus, where are we going? Keep your voice down. We're wanted by the law. Anybody got that friend? <laughs> I am that friend. Um, <laughs> so in that place, he says to them, he gets them there. He gets them to this, this place of the pressing. And while he was still, there we go. He went out and he said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Now, I've got good news for you. For those of you who are already triggered by that word, that word really at heart means trial or testing. Pray that you don't fall in the testing. Because do you know what a place of pressing is? It is a place of pressure. Anybody cracked under pressure? 
Why would Jesus purposely go to the place of pressing? Anybody here made it your life's goal to avoid all pressure at all cost? You entered COVID lockdown, and you're like, yes, Lord, I receive it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I will never leave my house again. Thank you, Lord. Why does he go into this place of pressing? Why does he go to this place? And he, but he says to them, guys, why would he do this? Why would he bring them into a place where they would be tempted, where they would be tested? It reminded me this verse that we pray, the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation or testing. It's the same word. Don't lead me into a test. Don't lead me into a test I can't make, get through. Because in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, what are we told? There is no temptation or testing, same word, that has come upon you, but such as is common to everybody else. Everybody, when you're being tested, what do you think? I'm the only one. Nobody's ever gone through this before. Really? Seriously? This is the worst. It never gets better, right? In that place, he said, but listen, but with the testing, God will make a way of escape. 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 He'll make a way through, a way out, because the pressing is real. So he says to them, he says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw away from them. In the other gospels, we're told he took 11, right? Because one of them betrayed. And then he left the 11 and he took three. But then he separated himself. Now, I would submit to you that in our, our trials, we have two extreme responses. You figure out which one's yours. I'm actually good at both. Um, here they are. One is, um, when I'm in a trouble, when I'm in a problem, this is my ditch. This is a good ditch to be in is, um, when I'm having a trouble, my goal is to get as many people into my trouble with me. You know what I'm talking about? Like for instance, I'll give you an example. I get a, uh, a speeding ticket. Oh my gosh, you'll never believe it. I got a speeding ticket. Were you speeding? Well, yeah, but he targeted me. And they're like, well, dude, man, it's like, just pay the ticket. What? You do not understand. If I pay this ticket, then I won't have money for a, a crisis that may come. And then I'll probably go broke. And then I'll get kicked out of my house and I'll lose everything. Are you with me yet? Join me. Join me in my hell. Welcome. Anybody? Anybody? Who are my people? Come on. I see those hands. That's right. Thank you. Give me an amen. Right. So, so that's one. One is let's get everybody in hell with me. That's one. So it's the all. The other one is the alone. Anybody have that friend? Hey, Bob, where you been? I haven't seen you around. Well, got run over by a Mack truck. <laughs> Took off both my legs. But ain't no better big thing. Happens to everybody, you know. It's kind of a normal thing in life. You know, you do what you got to do. Well, were you going to call me? Well... I mean, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> Anybody? Who are my people? You know what I'm talking about. Like when you, it goes bad, you go turtle. You're like, uh, I will be back after these messages. <laughs> Once I get this all sorted, I will be back, right? Because we only come out to play when we got it going on, 
right? So there's all and there's all alone. Those are our two options, those two ditches. What does Jesus do though? In the minute of, in the place of his struggle, he brings the 11 weak, they've proven for three years how weak they are. He brings the 11 weak friends, but they're the best he's got. Anybody you've got that, you've got that team, you're like, could I get an upgrade on my team, Lord? I, I, at one point, I was complaining about the group of people that were around me, and the Lord was like, why are they around you? <laughs> well, I would be better if I had a different group of people around me. Anyway, so there he is, there he is, and he brings them with him, but then, you know, when you get into the battle, not everybody can go to the battle with you, can you? So he, what does he do? He takes the three. But at the end, he's all alone. Have you ever noticed that in the battle, you are all alone? You're all alone. You need people with you, but you're all alone. Masha and I have gone through incredible battles that we've had to fight through in life. We had issues in Russia dealing with police. Even though we're having the same issue, we had different reactions and we were both all alone in our fight. Does that make sense? The place of safety is in the middle where you're not hiding, you're bringing people in, but you've got to understand at the end of the day, nobody can save you except him. And this is the place of the pressing. The place of the pressing pushes out of you what is in you. And it doesn't look like what everybody else sees. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt on the ground and he prayed. What was he praying about? Let's read and find out. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What cup is he talking about? Death on the cross. He is facing the next 20 hours of his life are going to be horrific if you've ever done a study of the physiological trauma of the crucifixion, it's, it's unimaginable. He is, fa- anybody here? I, I, I think, uh, what is it? Um, you know, it's, it's said that uh, cowards die a thousand times, but heroes only once. But anybody here, you've imagined your death multiple, 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 multiple times? You know what I mean? The thing is, is, is that Jesus is seeing the problem before him. And he, listen, you fight your battle before you go to the battle. See, Gethsemane is where he's fighting the battle. Because once he fights the battle, he will not have to fight the battle. You fight the battle in the secret place. You fight the battle all alone. You fight the battle in the middle of the night. So that you can stand in the middle of the day. Take this cup from me. Why? I mean, he's not a masochist. He's not a masochist. And I want to flip the story. I, I, I love the passion, but the passion to me oftentimes feels like a tragedy. But you know, we watch action. Who are my action movie people? There you go. You know the action movie? The guy's like, you know what, boys? Not everybody, but all of us is making it out alive. But it's worth it. You ready? You with me? Yeah! That's, that's what's going on. Jesus is going, I don't think I'm going to make it out, but it's worth it. It said that for the joy set before him, he did what? He endured the cross. 
In the pressing, what's he doing? He's weighing the scales. He is gazing at you and me in the middle of the pressing. He's going, is it worth it? Listen, only an idiot, only an idiot signs up for what he signed up if it's not worth it. Listen, God will show you. So in the pressing, you are, Gary, is it worth it? Is it worth it to go through? Is it worth it? Father, if you are willing, take this cup, and yet not my will, but yours be done. Because in the pressing, you come to the place where you realize you really only want his will. Because his will is the only safe place. I've told this many times. We were facing, um, anybody here had like a six-month expiration on your finances? Like you could see, right? (laughs) We are all going to die, right? And, uh, and this started, and I immediately, I mean, I'm like, I couldn't sleep. I literally, I would toss and turn all night and, and, then, and then like fall asleep for two minutes. And, uh, and my conversations with God were this. God, we're going to die. Oh, really? What's up? Ah, ah, all my finances. Okay, okay. And then he would say this to me. Do you have a roof over your head? Yes. Does it leak? No. Are you eating today? Yes. So what's the problem? But tomorrow, right? In that place, in that place of the pressing, I have to decide, is his voice superior to the voices in my head that Masha was talking about? Is his voice superior? Am I going to listen to his voice or am I going to listen to those other voices? That's what happens in the pressing. Not even though he's hearing all the voices of hell screaming at him, Jesus says, not my will but yours. In that place of not my will, but yours, you, so let me just tell you this. When you pray, not my will, but yours from your heart, when you're hearing the screams of hell, it is the greatest act of faith because you don't do it because you are like full of joy and faith. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, not your will, but my, you know, right? Not your will, the other way around. Not my will, but yours, right? In that moment, it is simply a choice. And I finally realized, Jesus, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. You win. Your way, Lord. Your way. Sometimes that's, that is your way. It's just literally, Lord, my way's not working. I want your way. Sometimes that's enough. But literally your way, not my way. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You know, this is exactly what happened to Elijah. You guys remember Elijah was having a really bad day? You know, every, you know, queen was trying to kill him and he ran screaming into the wilderness right? And in that place, what does he do? He says he died. And the angel like brings him back to life so he can keep running. Anybody here? That's like, you're like, Jesus, I asked for an angel to get me out of trouble. No, 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 no. You need a little, there you go. Now you're good to go. You're going to leave me like this? Why would you leave me in the pressing? Why would you leave me in the battle? Because you're not through yet. You're not through yet because the point of Gethsemane is not to get out of it, but to go through it. Father, he said, an angel came and being in anguish, then he prayed what? More earnestly. Anybody here, you're like, I can't take anymore. And then God's like, now I can. Great. (laughs) Right? God wants to strengthen you, right? And so, so you, and his sweat then became like drops of blood. That's a thing where your, 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 your uh, vascular system ruptures and literally bleeding out. He is fighting a fight. Let, let me, I can't say it enough. 
God doesn't want to deliver you from the fight. He wants to deliver you through the fight. God doesn't want to deliver you by all the people around you. Anybody here, you're like trying to tag somebody into your, your fight? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're in a fight and you're like, somebody save me, somebody save me. And literally, you're, 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 everything goes to voicemail. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you like call everybody and it's like voicemail, voicemail, voicemail. Seriously? Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Because he doesn't want, if other people have to deliver you, you'll be back in the pressing again. But if he delivers you through Gethsemane, you suddenly have a victory that you can give away. And being in anguish. Okay, when he rose from the prayer, it's interesting. I gotta, I'll jump back, but he says this in John when he's leaving. He says this line. He says, he says, come let us go for the prince of this world is coming. A better way to put that is, Come on, it's time to get it on. It's literally like fight language. It's like, it's, like, it's like Mike Tyson rolling up to a fight. He's like, come on, we're gonna get it on. Jesus ran to Gethsemane, but when he rose up, he rose up even greater. He rose from prayer and he went back to his disciples and he found them what? Which explains why it went to voicemail. And they're exhausted from sorrow. Anybody here, the people in your life are exhausted in sorrow for you, and you're, and you're suddenly finally full of faith? And they're like, it's, I'm just so, it's just so, shh, shh, shh. I fought through to this faith. Thank you very much. I don't, they're like, it sucks to be you. No, I fought through. We're done with that. When he rose, he said, why are you sleeping? He said, get up and pray so that you will not what? Fall into temptation. If you, prayer is conversation with God, the only way you walk through Gethsemane is by talking with God. Otherwise, you will be conversing with who? The enemy and yourself. Anybody talk to yourself and became smarter? And while he was speaking, while he was speaking, he came up, the crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, the, the one of the twelve was leading him, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Jesus, in this point of betrayal, his heart is still turned towards compassion for Judas. Why? Because he went through the valley of Gethsemane. Because he went through the pressing. He's ready to face everything. He goes and stands before the high priest doesn't even flinch. He goes through all that he goes through. Why? Because he has you and I fully fixed in his vision. He can see what God has promised. He goes all the way through. And at the end, what happens when he dies? The curtain in the temple rips from top to bottom. And all of us are ushered into the presence of God. Why? Because he went through the pressing. If he had to go through the pressing, will we not? Who here knows what I'm talking about, about the pressing? Okay, good. You're in good company. I will say it again. Nobody can walk through that with you, can do it for you, but you, need, you shouldn't do it alone. You need to invite people to stand with you, but they can't deliver you. They'll support you to walk through. 
He did. He, he did. Because all of this is to reveal this. That at the end of the day, what the enemy comes and torments you with is, you are not enough. You don't have enough. You won't make it. You're too broken. Your sin is too great. You are disqualified. True? Because that's what you're faced in the pressing. All the voices come out louder. Why? So they can be defeated. They can be brought to the throne of, of mercy. They can be brought before God. God, they say, I'm, I, I'm not enough. What do you say? And Jesus goes, well, without me, you're not enough, but you've got me, so we're good. They say that I'm disqualified by my sin. Well, that is true, but I took your sin, so we're good. Well, they say, I, you, I'm going to die. Well, that's okay, because I'm the resurrection and the life. Literally, what we do in Gethsemane is we take every lie of the enemy, and we bring it before the cross and say, Jesus, what do you say? And in that moment, we gain victory over every one of those voices so that we can partner with God as we walk out of Gethsemane into the fullness of what he's promised. We can have the worship team come up. In the same way that Jesus' Gethsemane was not a tragedy, but the, the core of an action film, your life is not a tragedy. Because it's not over yet. If you stopped an action film right when the bureaus get shot in the leg and dragged off, yeah, it'd be bad. <laughs> That would be a tragedy. But that's, we don't watch those, right? We're like, no, no. And then he gets up and he shoots them all. That's what we're going for. You are part of an action film. You're set up for victory. We are more than what? Conquerors through Jesus Christ. And so what I would submit to you is your life is not a tragedy because it's not over yet. If we could stand. Father, I just ask right now as we go into worship, as we war in worship, as we run to you, God, and we bring all the lies of the enemy, all the voices of the enemy that are being pressed out of us, all the stuff so that only your oil remains, Lord, that you, we would bring all those voices before you and let you speak a better word in Jesus' name.